are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we'll be joined by Adam Armbrick from Locked On Nets to discuss the Brooklyn Nets' disastrous start to this year's NBA season. Ben Simmons does not look like the old Ben Simmons. Also, what's the latest drama with Kyrie Irving? Then, we'll be joined by Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks to discuss the Hawks' strong start to their season behind their new backcourt duo of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. How good do those two guys look like playing off of each other in the Atlanta backcourt? Lastly, we'll be joined by Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs to discuss the shocking news that the San Antonio Spurs waived guard Josh Primo so suddenly Friday afternoon evening almost zero news about the situation until a little bit later on alleged reports that Primo had exposed himself to multiple women including a former Spurs employee all of that and more coming up on today's episode of Locked on NBA. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on NBA your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Joining us now is Adam Armbrick from Locked on Nets. You can follow on Twitter at Adam Armbrick. Adam, this, uh, one and five start is probably not how the Nets wanted to get this season underway. Currently 15th in offensive rating. So middle of the pack, uh, second worst in defense though, through, through a handful of games, 29th in defensive rating again, one and five start, uh, most recently a loss at the hands of the, the rebuilding Indiana Pacers without even miles Turner, you know, out there to, to anchor the middle section of the court for them. Just, how disappointing has the start to this season been for the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, that loss to the Pacers is is obviously a culmination of some of the things that we've been watching, and there's been disappointments around defensively. The team has not been uh, as strong, if uh, even a mild speed bump on that end of the floor, as you would have assumed they would have been with bringing back in, obviously, Ben Simmons to the fold. But this Pacers loss is different because they are a rebuilding team. They're not supposed to be competitive. And if you go back and look at the first five games, all those teams are playoff teams. The Nets are trying to figure things out. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving playing at a high offensive level. So you can kind of check some of these boxes. Ben Simmons doing some good things defensively. But overall, communication isn't there. Intensity hasn't necessarily been there. And then ultimately, when you just look at the roster, you go, you're too good to be one and five to start a season. And you're certainly too good to be losing a game like that to the Indiana Pacers. No disrespect. Talk with Tony East from Lockdown Pacers the other day. I, I get the process they're going through and I respect them for it. But you got to sweep these two games, losing the first one right out of the gate. Um, just disappointment and certainly not what this team thought they were resetting the timeline for coming from the offseason into this regular season. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the the Nets will have a chance to kind of redeem themselves in, in part two against the Pacers uh, here, it, it, you know, not so, you know, in, in the not so distant future, right? I believe Monday night rematch. Yes, sir. If I'm not yep. mistaken. All right. But what was so curious in this one, too, Adam, what ha what was going on with Kevin Durant? Just I, I, I don't want to say mentally checked out, but only only four field goal attempts in the first half, which was just entirely uncharacteristic for KD. Yeah, so there's two parts to that, right? Because on the back end of this, you lose the game. And Kevin Durant actually spoke to this in the post-game press conference too, where he said, 
you know, we won the first half. Like, we, you know, we were in a good position. So the fact that I only took four shots, he, he referred to it as, which I think is sometimes difficult to swallow, you know, being a floor spacer. Well, you don't want Kevin Durant being a floor spacer on your team, but if the team overall is performing well and you are winning in the game, I think it's okay, right? And this is also can be a byproduct of how do you get rest for players that don't want to be rested, that don't want to take games off? Well, you make it so that the offensive mentality doesn't need to be the heavy lift on Kevin Durant. Now he ramps it up in the second half. He still gets his normal kind of stat line. But when you lose the game, it's easy to look back and say, should he been doing more early in this one? I think that that's less important to just the fact that they're losing these games. It's okay. It's actually a good sign if this team can be productive offensively while Kevin Durant doesn't have to be scoring consistently. Now, Ben Simmons, the the story all off season, and you know ever since he became a member of the Brooklyn Nets, right? What would he look like stepping back onto the court? He is leading the team with seven point two assists per contest, but he's averaging just six point two points per night. Not even six shots per game. He's shooting forty six percent at the free throw line when he gets there, which isn't isn't often, honestly. Uh, Adam, you know it, he doesn't look great out there. He doesn't look like he's comfortable out there yet. I, I don't want to say shell of his former self that feels maybe a bit harsh right for a guy who hasn't played basketball in a year obviously there's gonna be some rust there but it, it it doesn't feel like a great start for Ben Simmons no way too timid offensively um there's plenty of sequences you can go and look at where he is running the offense bringing it down top of the key and there is access because they're gonna sag off of him defensively into the paint and instead of really attacking at the rim forcing the fouls getting to the line and living with the results there he kind of timidly gets himself in towards the paint sometimes picks up his dribble then he's looking around waiting for someone right? So the offensive stagnation has really started to be a problem in those areas. Now there, there have been little moments of success and things that you think he can build on defensively. He's been very good at times. He's also fouled out twice early in this season. And some of them have been what you would call ticky tack fouls, but also bad mental decisions. When you're on five fouls, you understand how important you are to the team on that end. Um, I want to give him leeway. There's a lot of guys. We saw this in the Pelicans game for this team when they tipped off Zion Williamson coming back on the court for the first time in a long time. He looked fine. Like he didn't look like he had any rust on him. Right. So patience, I think, is warranted when it comes to Ben Simmons. And also he needs to start to show this here as we work towards 10 and 15 games into the season, because if he's not going to be a downhill attacking offensive weapon, now you have to think about what does it look like when he's paired with Nicholas Claxton on the floor? Are we going to make new rotation adjustments here? And who do we have to pair him with to try to guarantee some success? They can do that, but it's going to look different than I think what the template was coming in. Okay, Adam, Kyrie Irving time. Look, it's when is it not something with Kyrie Irving at this point? Look, we've we've seen recently, right? NBA stars, you know, who maybe act out in negative ways. We saw it with Anthony Edwards, then he comes out and apologizes. Uh, we saw, it, you know, even with Jalen Brown, right, distancing himself from from Donda. But Kyrie seemingly has decided to to double down on his support uh, of a movie with some very clear anti-Semitic messaging, you know, uh, in it. Nets owner Joe Sy took to Twitter to kind of share his disappointment in, in Kyrie's decision. Uh, Kyrie Irving had that kind of you know bit of an outburst uh, post game after the the loss against the Pacers. Uh, when looking at this and kind of the just this seemingly just really long history of things with Kyrie. How much more can this Nets franchise really, really stomach from him, handle from him before getting to a point of no return? I This might be it, right? And it might be it for a myriad of different reasons, let alone the content of it. There, there, are, there have been times in Kyrie Irving's career, especially just as a Brooklyn Net, let's not even go total career. Since he's been a Brooklyn Net, there's been a lot of instances where there's been frustration from the organization where he maybe says or provides a sentiment that 
catches people off guard or raises an eyebrow. It's never been something as egregious as what he's referencing to here in his social media post. And then, as you mentioned, doubled down in the postgame press conference. The, the real issue here, just from a Kyrie perspective, is that he is a guy who will come out and acknowledge, I make a lot of mistakes and I try to learn from them. But he does make a lot of mistakes. And it didn't look like in this postgame press conference that he felt like he was making a mistake that he needed to apologize for. He doubled down in the sense that he's no different, as he ref- as he said it, than anybody else who's posting something. This is something that's on a public platform that you can go. Anyone could go and access and watch. All I did was share it. Um But inside of the same breath, he referenced how he has an incredible influence on his community and also how the media makes it out that he has some type of power or influence on the community. I think that that Kyrie Irving tries to be authentic, and that's not always necessarily something that he fully knows how to do or that he fully grasps the weight of what he may be communicating. So I just want to provide a little bit of context to the sense of where Kyrie is as a player and as an individual. And the fact that I think he's been very outspoken about it. He's on a life journey and that life journey is not always about basketball. It's not always about things that people are comfortable with hearing him talk about. And he has every right, by the way, like freedom of speech. He has every right to say something and speak his mind and use his words. However, He has to understand the backlash that can come from those words and understand that the words that he's using right now are having an incredibly negative impact on a very large and wide ranging community. As far as the team goes, I think that the one thing you could probably say pretty clearly here in this moment is the playing through this opt-in season and seeing how it looks after this year and bringing him back on an extension. I think that that's done and over with if it had even been on the table at all. Now the question becomes, will they sit him down? Would they possibly suspend him if they do that? He is the vice president of the NBA PA. They will come to bat for him. That's the role of the NBA PA, regardless of what the subject matter is, or the content is of the controversy. So they would come to bat there. They can sit him, and that cannot be appealed. That cannot be uh, addressed by anyone outside of the organization. Maybe they do that. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know. But this, in a lot of ways, feels like the tipping point for this organization that tried very hard to get back to neutral this offseason with Kevin Durant, with Kyrie, and what this process was going to look like. But we said this on our postgame podcast on Saturday night. It is uh, The consistent theme with the Brooklyn Nets is it is always something. And more often than not, it does involve Kyrie Irving. And it's a difficult thing to navigate if you're an organization trying to rebuild. If you're, if you're an organization that wants to have strong ties to its community, these are the type of instances that make it really hard to maintain that level of credibility inside the NBA and inside the Brooklyn community. Can the Brooklyn Nets find a way to turn things around? Will Kyrie Irving be or Kyrie Irving be a part of turning things around or will the Nets be looking to maybe sever ties, sit him down, suspend him, what have you, given this latest occurrence. Of course, you're going to discover all of that and more over at Locked On Nets. Adam, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Anytime. Coming up, how good do the Atlanta Hawks look to start the season behind their new backcourt star duo of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray? We're going to talk about that in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online because BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and for the start of a new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every single game that you can get your hands on. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every single sport 
sport out there. Right now, you can take a look at who the odds-on favorites are to win this year's NBA championship. The Milwaukee Bucks leading the way at plus 550. You got the Boston Celtics right behind them at plus 575. Golden State Warriors in third place at plus 700. And then rounding out the top five, you have the LA Clippers at plus 750. And then a distant fifth, the Phoenix Suns at plus 1,000. So for all of those odds and more, be sure to visit betonline.net to learn more about the trends in action available to you. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Monday, as always, appreciate you making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, go check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboards and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us now is Brad Roland from Locked On Hawks. You can follow on Twitter at BT Roland. Now, Brad, the, the Hawks, you know, sitting sort of comfortably at the top, you know, near the top of the Eastern Conference, a, a quick little four and two start to the season. And a lot of the questions of the offseason, right? How were Trey Young and DeJounte Murray going to look once they were able to kind of hit the floor together, start sharing that that Atlanta Hawks backcourt? How has the new backcourt duo of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray looked to start this year? I think it's been pretty good. There's the your turn, my turn kind of stuff happening for this Hawks team. That was kind of always going to be the case early on. There are two guys who are used to having the ball in their hands, so it's not the most natural thing in the world, but the numbers are pretty good when they play together. Generally speaking, it's making life easier on the rest of the team because they have these two very capable creators and ball handlers. Um, the spacing is is definitely challenged at times, but that's not necessarily the fault of either one of those guys. It's kind of the supporting pieces, but I, I think in general, um, you know, soft schedule aside, the Hawks have looked pretty good with those guys playing together, and it also helps the second unit because Murray can come in and kind of you know raise the tide when Trey is off the floor and uh, I think they are yeah they're they're in the positive solidly about you know plus seven or so per 100 possessions with those guys playing together so it's all it's all going pretty well so far even in a pretty small sample size Yeah, Trey Young right now averaging 31 and a half points almost 10 assists per game DeJounte Murray averaging a very cool 20.6 and a half boards and 7.3 assists through the early going of the season you talk a little bit about the the your turn my turn stuff when do they look like they're at their best is it when they are kind of doing the your turn my stuff or when one of those guys is on the floor and has a chance to kind of run things themselves, or do they look better when they're actually kind of flowing and, and playing off of one another? Yeah, I think the the flow so far has been a little bit of a challenge when they're trying to play off of each other, just because I don't think either one of them is used to it yet. There have been some nice flashes, you know, DeJounte as a cutter in particular, uh, Trey, uh, more of that off ball, like kind of come off some flare screens. That's what they're looking for eventually. I think for now, it really is more of that, you know, kind of just getting through it, having uh, both guys get enough possessions um, together. And then they do look comfortable playing apart. It's not it's not because of anything nefarious. It's just that they're, they're both used to having the ball in their hands so often that uh, that if they're, if they're not playing together, the numbers are pretty good. But the Stars have been really good this year together. So it's kind of a mixture. I think, generally speaking, you're, you're going to see them play at their absolute best when Trey is on the ball and DeJounte is kind of making it work as a secondary creator because Trey is still the superior option as an offensive engine. He's so good. DeJounte is really good as well, but Trey's just in on, on sort of another class for me as a primary initiator. So that's their best option, and I think they just have to sort of fill in and figure that out on a uh, on a game-to-game basis. But uh, the early returns are pretty strong. Is that kind of the approach that you're kind of gathering from, from Nate McMillan so far is that he's just kind of bringing those guys along slowly, still giving them those, you know, a little bit of room to breathe separate from one another so that they can kind of focus on what they are good at when they do have the ball in their hands. 
Yeah, they, they've been pretty clear the whole time. Nate and the whole coaching staff really publicly, even even the front office has been like, this is going to take a little bit of time to kind of figure it all out. The baseline is still pretty high because they do have those skill sets that complement each other reasonably well. And Trey in particular is a good floor spacer when he wants to be. But they know it's going to take a little while. They've been pretty consistent with that messaging. Like, it wasn't like they were hit the ground running. They kind of have to figure that all out. But I think in, in general, if, if I had to guess or kind of say what I think, I think so far it's been better than I thought it might be. I thought it might be even more disjointed early in the season. So I think pretty encouraging returns, but yeah, they're definitely prepared for this to take a little bit of a while. And obviously they've invested in this more so in the long term than the short term. It helps them now, of course, but I think they're definitely hoping that Murray's here long term. Trey's their guy already. So it's one of those things where they kind of they're taking it game by game. And I'm looking forward to seeing them play some difficult competition because that's been the case so far. They've only had really one tough game on the schedule. So I I, I certainly wanted to learn more about how they're going to look against better uh, better opponents. I definitely think one of the ceilings that I you know I'm envisioning for this Hawks team right is you. you allow Trey to maybe play even off ball a little bit playing off of DeJounte Murray a bit more than what we've been able to see through the early part of the season maybe that's something that kind of develops over time how has how has John Collins kind of accepted his new role maybe you know this this new tertiary role behind Trey and DeJounte or is it even fair to say that he's the third option at this point it's a really interesting mix with John. They've kind of, you know, they've featured him less the last couple of years, even when they brought Capella in and became more, you know, he's became become more of a low volume player in a lot of different ways, which he's done. I'm not sure he loves it, uh, but he's a, he's a team he's a team guy. The numbers, like sort of the box score numbers have gone down for him. He actually was really involved in the first three or four games and uh, was really picking up some huge numbers. I think defensively he's played very well so far, but the last two games, his usage has gone way down, like four or five shots a game way down. Now that, that won't always be the, that won't always be the case, but yeah, I think he is he is their third option if I had to guess, but there's a big drop. It's Trey, it's DeJounte, and then a pretty big drop to you know, whoever you want to say between Collins or DeAndre Hunter or some of the other guys, but Donovan when he comes back. But right now, you know, Collins is more like kind of a, just a fit-in kind of guy. He can, he can definitely do that. He's so good at different things, like a spot shooter. He's a great pick-and-roll guy, good offensive rebounder, et cetera. But he's definitely not getting the all-you-can-eat touches that you might want him to be getting if you are his agent or himself. You mentioned Bogdanovich there. I want to ask you about him in a moment, but but uh, Brad, right now the you know, and I know it's you know it's early going, six games in. Hawks are you know top ten offense. They're sitting at number eight right now, just ranked seventeenth though defensively through the early going. What do you think that they need to kind of focus on and improve on that side of the floor? Any any you know kind of drawbacks on that end to this point? Yeah, you know, the, the Hawks personnel-wise are still not great defensively. Now, 17th is a huge step forward from where they were last year already, which is kind of sad. They were in the bottom five for most of last season. Uh, and they're always going to have challenge with, challenges with Trey Young, who's a you know absolute superstar, but defensively, there's kind of, it's well documented, he's not the greatest defender in the world. So they have to kind of work around that. But it really is comes down to like point of attack defense. I think Murray is going to help that. or already has helped that, but they're really allowing a lot of penetration this season. They have to be a little bit better at keeping guys away from the paint because they do have guys at the back end, click Capella and a Kongwu are really good at protecting the rim, but if they have to contest every shot, that could be a challenge because then you're losing defensive rebounding positioning, all that stuff. So they've kind of been leaky on the glass so far. And I think really, if you watch the tape, it's because they're having to kind of overplay the centers and having to kind of just fly around. So that's an area to circle as well. They've never been a huge turnover team defensively, but they actually have been pretty good at that so far with Murray kind of creating more havoc. But for me, it's stopping penetration and then also making sure they rebound because if they don't rebound, uh, closing possessions is huge. I mean, it's, it's not something you can 
can just kind of overcome with their personnel. They're going to have to be, you know, average or better to rebounding to kind of fix this. But I think the steps forward have already kind of happened. And this entire construction of this team is still offense first. Like they're not going to suddenly be an awesome defense, but just kind of being league average would be a huge step forward for them. They're almost there at this stage. But again, taking it back to the competition, I'm looking forward to see how they defend because they, they definitely struggled a little bit in their last matchup against Milwaukee. Yeah, I'm getting you talk about DeJounte Murray there. I'm getting, you know, PTSD flashbacks to him just picking <laughs> the pockets of every single Rockets player uh, in, in the season opener. Uh, last thing for you here, Brad, what, what is the latest on uh, Bogdanovich? When, when might we actually see him back on the floor for this Hawks team? Yeah, I wish I had a timeline. It would be really nice to have a timeline, quite honestly. And the Hawks have been pretty tight-lipped on Bogdanovich. He did make the road trip that they're currently on. He's not practicing in full, but he's at least doing a little bit more. He played some one-on-one the other day, which is a step forward for him. That still means, generally speaking, if you've covered the league for a while, like it takes a little while to go from one-on-one to five-on-five and playing a game. So I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Travis Schlank, the president of basketball operations, talks about him uh, maybe practicing when they get back from this trip for the first time. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, you know, they've, they've been very, vague I think on purpose with Bogdanovich and look he's not their best player but he is their best bench player like he, he projects to be a sixth man and he's really their best shooter outside of Trey Young that's the big thing for him when he comes back the Hawks have had some real spacing challenges on the second unit I think he fixes a lot of that but anytime you have a guy who's had some knee issues for a couple of years now they're being careful with him for good reason and he's a vet he'll be, he'll be fine when he gets back but they definitely need him to be their best self how will the Atlanta Hawks backcourt duo of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray continue to grow and mesh with one another? When will we see Bogdanovich back on the court for this Hawks team? Of course, you're going to have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked on Hawks. Brad, I appreciate you stopping by Locked on NBA with me. Always a pleasure. Coming up, the news that the San Antonio Spurs have waived guard Josh Primo after alleged allegations surfacing of him exposing himself to women, including a former Spurs employee. How big of a setback is this for the San Antonio Spurs during their rebuild? We're going to talk about that in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday. As always, appreciate you making Locked On NBA your first listen wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked On NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Joining us now is Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs. You can follow on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. Now, Jeff, a, a bit of shocking news coming mm-hmm. out of this past this past yep. week. Uh, Josh Primo, the twelfth overall pick in the twenty twenty one NBA Draft, one of the bright spots of the mm-hmm. early stages of the Spurs rebuild, shockingly waived Friday yeah. with with no information initially as to why Spurs mm-hmm. brass was incredibly tight lipped about the situation, and then right. we had reports surfacing that apparently Primo was exposing himself, reportedly yeah. exposing himself to mm-hmm. women, including a former Spurs employee, uh, said employee hired attorney Tony Busby, who represented uh, the women in the Deshaun Watson lawsuits from right. not too long ago. Let's start first, Jeff. What does this say about the Spurs organization having kind of a, a, a zero tolerance policy mm-hmm. for this type of conduct? I mean, I wouldn't right. put it past... I wouldn't put it past other organizations to try and sweep something like this maybe under the rug a little bit, especially mm-hmm. considering you know a, a lottery pick type talent. Yeah, yeah, it was shocking. Uh, when I got the news in my inbox, I didn't believe it. I thought this was a joke. I was going to text some of the uh, Spurs staffers that I know and say, okay, you got me good. Ha, ha, ha. You know, no, but it, it was real. And talk about shocking is it was just so just, I mean, knock you out of your seat if you're a Spurs fan because he was seen as very pivotal moving forward in this rebuild. There was even talk about he should be the starting point guard to start this uh, new season over a guy like Trey Jones. That's how much they were invested in him. Uh, Contract-wise, they picked up option three-year, fourth-year. His face is plastered everywhere in San Antonio. 
in billboards, on advertisements. That's how much they were invested in this kid. 19 years old. It's a shame to see his NBA career, at least at this moment, on very shaky grounds. I don't know when you're going to release this, Jackson, but the Spurs can, I'm sorry, NBA teams can pick him up on Monday if he clears waivers, but I don't think NBA teams are going to touch him with a 10-foot pole. I, I think based on the allegations right now of him exposing himself to women, it might be a while before he sees an NBA career resume or not. It's going to get worse, and it's it's, it's a shame because this is a season of rebuild, a season of youth. It's almost like spring, springtime for the Spurs as they move forward and trying to get back on the mountaintop. And now you got this dark cloud hanging over the entire season because Jackson, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg because if Busby does file a lawsuit, that lawsuit will be public and then we'll see exactly what is alleged right now. I think the big thing right now for the Spurs is when they found out my, I don't have any source or anything like this, but my gut instinct, feels they probably found out of the recent four game uh, road trip because he played that game against Minnesota 20 plus minutes. He's, he was one of the heroes in that beat down that Minnesota uh, took from the Spurs. And then the next day, boom out. Uh, so uh, it was fast. It was furious. The Spurs did the right thing. Sever all ties. And I mean, sever all ties from the fan shop, physical jerseys being removed from their uh, fan shop at the AT&T center. The online store erased them. Their social media account erased them. And I think it was sudden because I did not go to the, the game versus Chicago, but I saw several Spurs fans say that Primo was still in their opening montage splash. The game's about to begin, and his face was still there. I don't think the players knew either because in that game, the second game versus Minnesota where they lost you had players come out and said, oh, this would have been a different story if Devin Vassell when Josh Primo played. So I don't think anybody knew until that road trip at towards the end of it. But all in all, it's 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 shocking. There's there, Rarely do the Spurs organization in their history go through this. I mean, there have been some. There's been uh, the Kawhi Leonard, but that at least that was on the court. You know, that was just contract and do I want to stay in this team or not? The closest I could think of something controversy that raises to this level was the Alvin Robertson situation way back in the day uh, where there was allegations, uh, which is bad ones, just ugly ones. And, but yeah, uh, the Spurs, all they can do now is move forward. That's all they can do. And if you look at their last first round picks, they've kind of been a little leaning more towards the misses than the hits. I know Keldon Johnson, great. Devin Vassell, great. Je uh, Jeremy Sohan looks very promising, but you got Derek White traded. You had DeJounte Murray traded. Now, obviously, for good reason, for the rebuild, fine. But those are first two, two first-round picks gone. They did not pick up Lonnie Walker, a first uh, resign him, that is. So another first-round pick gone. Lucas Ominich was just a disaster. But he was the 19th pick overall when the Spurs were uh, up on that clock. So the rebuild, you know, moves forward. And I think the team is just going to have to move forward with this just dark cloud hanging over the season.
Well, uh, to, to your to, to some of the points you made there, I, I completely agree. I think the Spurs did the right thing in this situation. Mm-hmm. Again, you 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 could very easily see how an organization who has you know spent a mm-hmm. lot of time developing a player of his caliber, mm-hmm. somebody with a lot of potential, how they might want to be like, well, let's let's wait and see right, how right, bad right, yeah. it really is. That kind of thing. No, they they immediately severed ties that that zero tolerance policy. So I commend the Spurs for their handling of the mm-hmm. situation. Maybe you know we're able to you know hopefully change to some more positive news here for you, Jeff. Uh, you mentioned Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell. They yeah. have looked fantastic to mm-hmm. start this season, and they're they a have. big part of why the Spurs have had some success to start this year. What, what are you seeing out of those two guys uh, as they're you know entering this season in, in the early stages of this season? I'm glad you brought that up because that is the most recent episode we did on Lockdown Spurs is KJ versus Vassell. Who could emerge as the go-to guy on this team as their season moves forward? I think it's a great problem to have. Sure, you want to give it to KJ? Sure, let him have it. He's 44% from the three-line a bull going to the rim and ones like easy, fine. Devin Vassell, ability to create his own shot, get the three-point shot down. He's shooting 40% from the three-line, uh, can create, can assist. He can do a little bit of all, get you some defensive stops. Not to say Kel- Keldon can, but he can too. But Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson playing admirably to start this new season. And you look even down further in the depth chart, I think one of the biggest unsung heroes for the Spurs started is Trey Jones. I dare anybody to go look at on um, a basketball reference, for example, look at his stat line. You're going to be like this second rounder is doing this right now. Double figure scoring. He's among the league leaders in loose ball recoveries. His assist to turnover ratio is insane. Uh, giving you about two, three rebounds a game, uh, just giving the Spurs about four to five assists per game, double figure scoring 13 points per game. Uh, he's added a teardrop to his game this season and just how much of an impact that Trey Jones has made to start the season. Brace yourself, Jackson Popovich compared him to Manu. Oh, that's high praise. Okay. right. He said that that want that will that I'll do anything to win a game. He sees that in Trey just when he saw that in Manu. So he's been really good. Not to say all the, all the Spurs have been playing bad. I mean, you got Josh Richardson playing good, uh, giving you double figures off the bench. You have Yaka Pirtle just being Yaka Pirtle. At the end of the day, you look at his stat like he did this. Like you look at him seriously. That's that's been a reaction. Like, he gave you fourteen rebounds, nine offensive, and double figure scoring, and he shot sixty percent at the field. Obviously, a lot of pick and rolls. So I'm a little a little surprised at this hot start for the Spurs. Uh, I am a little bit. I did not expect them to come out and have that will to win and look competitively i like to see it you know they're not dying they're not buying into the tank for wimby but then there's the other side of my face where i'm like Wimby, you know there's that guy and you guys are projected to have one of the best shots at adding him uh in the uh, draft should you win all the lottery but yeah yeah uh you know it's if your team tank you're not liking this if your team compete and you're wearing those Spurs colors, you're loving this hot start for the Spurs. I'm surprised. And just to see them have that fight in them. I mean, they want to win. They don't care about Wimby. They don't care about lottery odds. They don't care about Scoot. They want to get W's. If they keep this up, Jackson, I would not be surprised to see them in the mix of a play-in. Because look at the, look at the Lakers. You know, they look like a disaster right now. Sacramento just won their first game of the season. Oh, granted, I get it. It's very, very early in the NBA season. Maybe things will shake out. I've seen this before in the years that I've been watching the NBA. You know, teams have hot starts that weren't expected, and then things kind of calm down. And that's what happened to the Spurs last year. 
last year they went into Milwaukee and they beat the Bucks on their gym. Last year they went to LA and beat the Lakers and the Clippers, and everybody was loving it. And then yeah, things came back down to earth, and then they went on that eight nine game losing streak. I hope that doesn't happen, but then I do hope that it happens. I'm torn, Jackson. What do I do? You've been through this before, going in Houston and having a tank season. Hey, I mean, we'll we'll we'll, we'll let you straddle the fence, uh, yeah. you know. There, Jeff, we'll let you kind of you know navigate through those feelings as the season goes on. Because hey, the Spurs have had a hot mm-hmm. start to their season. How much of a setback is losing Josh Primo for this organization? Mm-hmm. Can Keldon Johnson yeah. and Devin Fell keep the production mm-hmm. up? You're gonna have us cover all of that and more over at Locked On Spurs, Jeff. I appreciate you, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Yep, anytime. That's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked On NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA Monday. The biggest stories with the local experts. 